This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Christian Healthcare Ministries, a budget-friendly, biblical, and compassionate healthcare cost solution for Christians in all 50 states and around the world. Learn more at chministries.org. Want to know how to get more money and prepare for your financial future? Sound interesting? Hi, I'm Rob West. We'd all like to have more money, and there's nothing wrong with that if we have the right motivation. I'll talk about that, then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. We'd love to hear from you, 800-525-7000. It's great to have you along today on Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, every few weeks on our Monday program, we revisit the five things you can do with money. Here they are. You can earn it, live on it, give it away, owe it to someone or the government, or grow it for the future by saving and investing. So again, those five, and they're easy to remember, earn, live, give, owe, and grow. Today, my focus is on the last of those, growing your money for the future by investing. Now, don't think this doesn't apply to you. If you have a 401k at work or an individual retirement account, you are an investor. I want to emphasize two things. One, I've already mentioned having the right motivation. And the second is learning what you need to know about investing. Let's talk first about motivation. If your reason for investing is to get rich quick, I have a warning for you. Actually, Jesus has a warning for you. He said in Luke 12, 15 to be on guard against every form of greed. Greed takes our eyes off God and puts them on ourselves. The drive for more, more, more for me, me, me is spiritually dangerous. And it's also likely to be a recipe for unhappiness. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, anyone who loves money never has enough. Anyone who loves wealth is never satisfied with what he gets. That said, investing for the future, if you have the right motivation, is commended in Scripture. Proverbs 21.20 says, there is precious treasure and oil in the home of the wise, but a foolish person swallows it up. Or as the Living Bible puts it, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. So this is the right motivation. The desire to be a good steward, preparing today as best you can for the needs of days and years to come. So how do you prepare? Well, you could stash money in a savings account, and you should for shorter-term needs and for an emergency fund. But savings accounts, even the highest-paying ones, will not keep up with inflation. Money put in a savings account will lose value over time. So to keep pace with inflation or to outdistance it requires putting your money in things that tend to grow as the economy grows. For most of us, that means investing in the stock market, and you can do that in a way that is balanced, not reckless. That brings us to learning what you need to know about investing. We have guests on this program regularly who talk about wise approaches to investing, so I won't go into detail about that now except to say that it's essential that you have a long-term plan and a set of guidelines that inform your decision-making. In other words, think long-term, not get rich quick, and don't make decisions based on hot tips or financial talk shows. Now, to be a good steward, 
you also need to understand the various investment vehicles that may be available to you, such as a tax-advantaged 401k or 403b at your workplace. You also should learn about individual retirement accounts and how those can help you save for the future in a tax-smart way. A great resource that explains such accounts and many other things about being a good steward as an investor is the Sound Mind Investing Handbook by our friend Austin Pryor. It's been around for 30 years and has helped many, many people and listeners of this program in this area. One more thing, making your money grow for the future will involve some risk. That is the nature of investing. So the actual investments you choose should be appropriate for someone of your age and overall financial situation. Younger people can afford to take higher levels of risk than older people because younger folks have a lot of time to recover from market downturns. So to sum it up, invest with the motivation of being a good student steward and take the time to learn what you need to know to invest wisely for the years to come. All right, I'm Rob West. Thanks for listening today. By the way, if you have a question about anything money-related, we're as close as your phone. You can give us a call even now. The number, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. By the way, if you haven't checked out our brand new website, you can do that right now. You'll find it online at faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com. We'll be right back. We are grateful for support from One Ascent Investments on the MoneyWise program. They manage a comprehensive suite of value-based investment strategies designed to help Christian investors live aligned with what they value most. One Ascent believes that if your values inspire the way you live, they should also inspire the way you invest. This can be a unique form of worship. More information is available at investments.oneascent.com. That web address is investments.oneascent.com. If you have money in a retirement account or just a general investing account, you know the stock market can sometimes be like a roller coaster. But it is possible to enjoy both profit and peace of mind in investing, no matter what's happening in the market. You can see a short video webinar on that topic at soundmindinvesting.org. Since 1990, Sound Mind Investing has sought to offer financial wisdom for living well. soundmindinvesting.org Delighted to have you with us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, your host, taking your calls and questions, 800-525-7000. To Kalamazoo, Michigan, Diane, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, My question is concerning my uh, husband's RMD. He's 72 this year, um, ready to take the first draw. Um, We'd like to give some to charity and some to ourselves to reinvest. We want to divide it into two different entities. I don't know if that's a possibility or does this have to be done in only one distribution? Hmm. Yeah, no, it can be taken in one lump sum or spread throughout the year. It just has to be distributed. The total amount of the required minimum has to be distributed by the due date. Now, the portion that you want to go, uh, Diane, to charity, you ought to do through what's called a qualified charitable distribution where you don't recognize the distribution first and then give it away. It actually goes directly from uh, the 
retirement account to the ministry or charity, and that's credited toward the RMD, but it's not added to your adjusted gross income. So that would be beneficial for you from a tax standpoint and for the ministry because they get the full amount, and whatever portion you send would go against your RMD for the year, and then you just have to be sure to take the rest of it that you want for yourself. Okay. Okay, so it can be divided then. We just um, are going to see our tax man, not our tax man, our financial advisor, and he said that he didn't think it would be able to be divided, that we would have to take it all at one time and then just hopefully get a tax credit when our taxes are done. But I, I just thought it could be divided. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The key is just that it gets out by that deadline, the full amount. It doesn't have to be done all at once, that's for sure. So uh, hopefully that helps you, and I think that qualified charitable distribution could be a great tool for you as you think about this. Um, so I would certainly check that out. You'll want to talk to the uh, the custodian of your uh, IRA to get that done. But uh, we appreciate your call today, Diane. God bless you. Uh, let's head to Florida, actually. Milan, thank you for calling. Uh, you're next on the program. Go right ahead. Yes, thank you for taking my call. <clears throat> Okay, so I'm a single mother. Um, my son has ASB. Um, right now, I'm currently living with a friend. I'm renting a room from her. And I feel like it's time for me to get my own place. I currently was a homeowner. I sold um, two years ago. Um, my son, like I said, he has ASB, and he he's more on the um, behavioral side. So he hits my roommate's kids. He bites my roommate's kids, mm. et cetera. So I feel like, you know, it's time for me to get my own apartment. So in Florida, like the average good price for an apartment is like 2000 So I was thinking about um, lowering my deductions as far as my 401k. Right now I'm contributing 18%. My company matches 100% up to $500 a year. So I was thinking about doing that so my paycheck can be at least 2000 every two weeks. So... I can be able to afford um, an apartment, or is that yeah. is that a good way to go? Or should my dependents right now I put zero, or should I um, put like one or two? Like, how do I well, increase my paychecks? Yeah. So what you're talking about with the with regard to the uh, dependents and so forth, the deductions would have to do with how much tax is withheld. And the key there is to make sure to fill out the IRS form, follow their, uh, you know, formula. So you have the right number of uh, right amount of taxes withheld. The goal being that you don't owe anything at the end of the year, but that you're not getting a big refund either. Uh, with regard to the 401k, that has nothing to do with that form, you just tell your employer how much you want withheld. And so you'll just go back to your employer and say, listen, I want less taken out. You tell them exactly what percent of your check you want taken out. And you could take it from 18% way down. And I think you're right. Now's the time not to be thinking about saving for the future, even though that's important. Now is the time to be getting enough into your check so you can live and get your apartment and build your budget in such a way that allows you to provide for you and your son. So I'd go talk to your
your HR department, have them reduce uh, the amount being withheld for your 401k. Uh, thank you so much for calling today. Uh, a quick email. We receive emails all the time from our listeners. We're so thankful that we do. This one comes from Andrew. He says, Rob, thank you for your valuable ministry. My wife and I both work full time and our house is paid off. I'm 60. She's 62. I have no dependents except for my wife. Do I need life insurance? And I would say not necessarily, Andrew. Your wife may be able to support herself while she's working. Um, but the question is, would her income and then the assets you've built up be enough if your income was taken out of the mix? If not, then there's probably a place for maybe a 10-year term policy between ages 60 and 70, as long as you're on track to build up those assets. So then when you drop that at age 70, um, you know, it's no longer necessary and she can depend upon your investment assets to cover her needs for the rest of her life if the Lord were to call you home. So I think that's the key. If you already have the assets and she's not depending on your income, then I think you can drop it right away. Uh, let's see, we'll head to uh, Chattanooga. Howard, how can I help you, sir? Hello, how are you? Doing great, thanks. Uh, yes, my question is, is uh, I have just started a new job, and uh, but I'm putting uh, four or putting 8% in uh, my in a Roth, and then putting eight percent in a four hundred one k, and but I didn't know. I guess my question is, how much can I put in those and not be penalized? And my age is uh, forty eight. Yeah, so under fifty, you can put a good bit away. Uh, you can put in up to twenty thousand five hundred this year. That's going up to twenty two thousand five hundred next year in the four hundred one k. That'll come through salary deferral, so out of your paycheck. And then you can do on top of that another six thousand under the age of fifty uh, this year into a Roth IRA. So between the two, you could put away uh, twenty thousand uh, twenty six thousand five hundred dollars uh, between the four hundred one k and the Roth. Now, what did you say the amount was on the Roth? I'm sorry. 6000 for the Roth for this year and uh, 20500 for the 401k. Okay. All right. Now, if you, like, I'm just, I'm just having a flat, like, 8% put in each one. And uh, what happens if you exceed that amount? Well, you don't want to do that. <laughs> so you're probably fine in the 401k. The question is, uh, you know, if you're overfunding that Roth. So you're going to want to look at how close to $6,000 you are in the Roth. Now, you said you're having 8% put into it automatically. Are you talking about a Roth 401k? Is this happening through your employer or is this a Roth IRA that you set up? It's uh, through my employer. Oh, I see. It's managed by Fidelity. Got it. Okay. So, Let's back up just for a second based on what I told you earlier. So if these are both 401ks, you can only put in up to the maximum amount between the two. So you can put in up to 20500 for the year in all of your 401ks combined. The IRS doesn't care how much you put into the Roth versus the traditional. You just can't exceed $20,500 uh, between the two. So you just need to go look at how much you have going in. Uh, your HR 
HR department should be on top of this. I doubt you've over-contributed, but the uh, the additional 6000 I was talking about would be if you were contributing directly to a Roth IRA. That's not what you have here. So you just need to check with your uh, HR department or the plan administrator and just see how much you have going into those two. And between the two, the Roth 401k and the traditional 401k, just make sure you don't put in more than $20,500 for the year. If you do, you're going to have to take some back and you'll pay some penalties. Howard, thanks for your call. We'll be right back. Stay with us. If you enjoy this radio program, you're going to love all of the many different resources waiting for you at faithfi.com. You'll find more powerful wisdom, podcasts, articles, videos, and more from partners like the National Christian Foundation, Sound Mind Investing, and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Connect with the community of thousands of Christians striving to be good and faithful stewards and check out all of the free biblical financial advice at faithfi.com. Do you feel like your hands are tied with debt, preventing you from serving God? If you have credit card debt, Christian credit counselors can help. Through our debt management program, we can get you out of credit card debt about 80% faster while honoring your debt in full. For more information on how Christian Credit Counselors can help, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org. Or call 800-557-1985. 800-557-1985. So delighted you're joining us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls and questions today on anything financial. But before we do that, let me mention here at the start of a new year, it's a great time to get your budget in place. That's right. That spending plan that's going to give every dollar a name and perhaps let you control money rather than it controlling you. If you'd like to get that set up, perhaps consider the tried and true envelope system. Our team over several years with world-class developers has put in place a digital version of Larry Burkett's envelope system. It's all in the FaithFi app, and you can download it in your app store. Just search for FaithFi, that's Faith, F-I, or visit our brand new website, and you can learn all about it, FaithFi.com, that's FaithFi.com. Let's head right back to the phones. Longview, Texas. Linda, you're next on the program. Go right ahead. Yes, thanks for taking my call. I'm 78 years old, and I've had a Medicare supplement uh, insurance plan for years and years, and I'm considering taking the Medicare Advantage. They are telling me I don't have to pay anything for it, and there'll just be some co-pays where I've been paying uh, $280 a month for the other. I do not use my insurance very much, so I'm just wondering, is it a too-good-to-be-true situation, or is it something that I should pursue? Yeah, it is something uh, to look at. And the key was what you said there at the end. You don't use it very much. Uh, If you're generally in good health, an advantage plan may be best where the supplement may be cheaper in the long run is if you go to the doctor a lot. The reason is an advantage plan will cost less than a Medicare supplement. They replace parts A and B and most include part D for prescription drugs. And they have zero premiums beyond what you pay for Medicare out of your Social Security benefit. They do, however, uh, have co-pays and out-of-pocket costs, uh, whereas the supplement plans work with the original Medicare Parts A and B and don't have 
the out-of-pocket costs you can have with an Advantage plan. So I think from that standpoint, because you're in good health, uh, you know, the Advantage plan uh, may make sense because, you know, you have zero premiums. Well, that sounds really, it almost sounded too good to be true because I don't go to the doctor much and uh, yeah. I, at this point don't have dental or eye or ear or any of that. And this is supposed to cover at least part of that. Yes, yes. It's worth looking into. I'd probably talk to an, uh, somebody who really specializes in this just to make sure you've thought it all through. But generally speaking, I think what you're hearing is correct. And I think in your situation, this would probably make a lot of sense for you. So um, I'd definitely take a look at it. Linda, we appreciate your call today. God bless you. Uh, Clearwater, Minnesota. Uh, Deanne, thanks for calling. Go right ahead. Okay, so my question for you is, my parents got divorced when I was a young child, and I have two older brothers and, like, a menagerie of stepbrothers, half-brothers, yada, yada. <laughs> Anyways, my yeah. dad passed away, and he's, you know, he was married, but I don't believe he had a will. So do his assets automatically go to his current wife? Yeah. Well, if you die without a will, uh, you're well, you would receive what's considered an intestate share. So the intestate just means there is no will. Um, and so the question would be, uh, you know, how the probate court is going to decide, you know, who gets what. Uh, so for instance, it would go to living children and the size of each child's share depends upon how many children, uh, there are, whether or not they're married and whether your spouse is also a parent and so forth. Um, or, or whether this, your spouse is also their parent and whether your spouse has children from another relationship. So it, as you said, it, it does get complicated given, uh, you know, how many people are involved here. Uh, if it's a stepmom you're talking about, she would inherit the first 225000 of the intestate property plus half of the balance. And then your dad's descendants, which would be you and your siblings would inherit everything else. But again, it, it does get kind of complicated there. Have, have you all been in touch with the probate court with regard to how all of this is going to be administered? Well, the other caveat to this is, is he died probably eight years ago and we were never contacted by a probate court, by any lawyers, you know, or anything. And I'm sitting thinking about this, you know, and I guess getting more bitter over time, not better. Um, and just wondering, you know, was it handled appropriately on, you know, on her end? Did they, did she consider ever you know the entire family in this process she never has any other time so i doubt that she did in this case yeah yeah well uh, obviously it'd be something worth looking into uh, maybe there was a will i mean i think that's the other option here but if there wasn't the court would normally step in and make those decisions so it sounds like you know a little bit more digging is probably in order just to find out exactly what was in place and what decisions were made and why you could you know seek your own counsel that you know perhaps could help you navigate this because obviously this is foreign territory and it sounds like a pretty 
complicated situation. So I think if you're wanting to, you know, explore it a bit more, I would probably uh, find an attorney that could, you know, work with you to do a little bit more digging into exactly what went on and why, you know, assets were distributed the way that they were. Right. And then I guess finding out, you know, what the time frame is, is you know, is there a statute of limitations on this or, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 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 So what would happen is to start the probate process, a, a petition would be filed for letters of administration, and that would let the court know they have to appoint an administrator to distribute the assets of the estate, and then that process begins from there. So this should all be able to be, uh, you know, explored and, and understood as to why, you know, decisions were made that they were. But I certainly, I think, would behoove you to to look into it and see exactly what went on there. Sorry that I know this is complicated and it uh, relationally it can create some challenges here uh, for sure uh, among family members. So we'll ask the Lord to give you some wisdom, Deanna, as you navigate this. We appreciate your call today. Uh, That's going to do it for us today. I really appreciate your taking time to listen to this program and to committing the principles we talk about each time to your financial life. You see, God's plan isn't difficult, but it does take discipline, and I hope we can encourage you along the way as you listen to this program. Incidentally, if you've been helped by what you've heard here, would you mind helping us? This broadcast, the FaithFi app, and the other great resources we provide wouldn't be possible without the financial support we receive from listeners like you. We offer a lot of our resources for free and even have a free version of the FaithFi app. And that's only possible because of the generous gifts from listeners like you. If you're not yet one of our financial partners, but would like to be, would you visit our new website, faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com. And then click the Give button to sign up. We'd certainly be grateful. In the meantime, please set an alarm on your phone and make plans to join us again next time. I'll be here, and I hope you will be too, for the next edition with an all-new name of Faith and Finance. See you then. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.